I'm here today at the IHI National Forum on Quality Improvement in Healthcare, and I'm visiting with Dr. John Cesar, President and CEO, GBMC Healthcare System. Dr. Cesar, tell me a little bit about your leadership journey or an example of uh, something that you've learned along the way. Well, Mary Jane, I think our, our leadership uh, traits and characteristics, we, they sort of grow on us through all of our experiences. I'd like to segue to an experience I had as a, as a physician leader where we were investigating, this is quite some years ago, a patient who had a bad outcome because the patient had been given the wrong blood. And there was, a, uh, there was a need, a desire, a tendency for the leaders in that organization to find somebody culpable. And a nurse was fired. And the nurse was devastated. And uh, what we learned, uh, those of us that were doing a deeper investigation, was that no nurse was following the procedure um, that was written in the policy manual and that the leaders knew it. And uh, I now know, because I've become a student of the just culture, of how uh, sad that is that uh, the leaders did not do the right thing by starting with the vision of patient safety and inculcating uh, the need and, and enrolling people in the need for standard work to keep people safe. Uh, but in the moment, quote, tough leaders, end of quote, find somebody and prove how tough they are by removing them from their job. And, and that, that also was formative. And then the third leadership thing, I, I'd like to turn from a negative uh, learning that has shaped me as a leader to a very positive one. I had the incredible good fortune of being the national co-chair of a, uh, a federal government initiative to increase organ donation back in the early 2000s. And uh, I, I fell into this role because I was the chief medical officer at Boston Medical Center, which was a large donor hospital. I really knew nothing about organ donation other than, other than that it was important. And, uh, but I was surrounded by people who were marvelous at requesting uh, that, that, that people give life. And um, I then became part of this faculty, this national faculty, whose job it was to increase donations and um, using uh, improvement techniques. And I met a man by the name of Dennis Wagner. And Dennis Wagner is the best change agent I have ever met in my life. And Dennis taught me a number of things. The, the, probably the first thing Dennis taught me is, please do not be cynical about the government or people who work in the government. Because Dennis is a lifelong federal government employee who has given his life for the betterment of others and is the best change agent I have ever met. And Dennis taught me to be, one, unconditionally positive. He taught me uh, a, a, a technique that, that I use to this day called uh, starting meetings with an effective question. Uh, I had come up through the academic physician ranks where uh, everything is scrutiny, uh, everything is let me tell you why that won't work, 
And uh, what I learned from Dennis is that is a huge waste of time. And what Dennis taught me was if you start a meeting with an effective question starting with the words what or how, you take off the table lamenting the status quo and you force people to get into the mindset of uh, learning and testing change. And I will be eternally grateful to Dennis Wagner for that. Dr. Chisara, that's um, a, a really good lesson. So what does that look like? Tell us how you would start a meeting today that's different to how you might have done it in the past. Well, let me give you an example of how I did it in the past. When I, I remember this is one of the first episodes of when I, I was the first chief medical officer at Boston Medical Center, which was created in 96. I arrived in 98. It, it had been the merger of Boston City Hospital and Boston University Medical Center Hospital. And I remember one of my first days on the job, the director of... Uh, medical records came to me and said, uh, you and, and I have a huge problem. I said, what, what is it? And she said, and don't quote me on the precise number, but we have a thousand delinquent medical records. And the, the rule was that the medical record needed to be completed within 30 days. Now, quite frankly, that's interesting if your mother was in the emergency department two weeks after discharge the expectation was not that her record would be complete but be that as it may be that we had a very low bar we had a huge very high defect rate so I um, we had created a meeting of all the physician leaders who obviously own this problem all the department chairs and I started the meeting by asking people to talk about this problem, and um, everybody was putting all their problems on the table. Oh, you know, um, our, our doctors have more important things to worry about. Oh, you know, the problem is the medical record department. Um, it doesn't matter what we do, they can't keep mm -hmm. up. And uh, oh, you know, the dictation system doesn't work. Well. What I learned from Dennis is uh, what I should have started with was probably a brief story about how patients could be harmed and doctors could have their job much more difficult if an ED doc was trying to figure out what had happened uh, to a Mrs. Jones who was discharged two weeks earlier and the, and the discharge summary was not there. Um, and I might have even said, imagine if Mrs. Jones was your mother and you were accompanying her to the ED and think how your colleague is now going to scramble to figure out what happened. And then I would have said, our agenda for today is to answer this question. What can we do to reduce the number of delinquent records? What can we do? And uh, you, have a, you each have a minute to think about that, and then we're going we're to ask for three or four suggestions. And our goal for the meeting is to have an action plan where we're going to test a change because our goal is to reduce it from 1,000 and eventually get to zero. So I'm so grateful to Dennis Wagner for that skill uh, and a bunch of others. I'd like to then finish by talking about uh, another leadership moment that has happened um, fairly recently in my career. Uh, I am a devotee of uh, the Institute for Healthcare Improvement. I see myself as an improvement guy. I've spent my entire career trying to make things better. I had the good fortune of having Dr. Don Berwick as my research 
mentor in my fellowship back in the early 80s. Um, but I somehow believe that the way improvement happens is by leaders um, just giving people the tools and encouraging them and passionately telling stories. And all of those things are necessary, but they're dramatically insufficient. I went to Greater Baltimore Medical Center uh, Healthcare System in 2010, and we were making some progress on the triple aim in the first years I was there. We actually added the fourth aim of with more joy for those providing the care. But things were not moving fast enough. We had this passion for change. We were making some good changes, but we weren't, we weren't improving things fast enough. And I, I, didn't, I knew I didn't have 100 years left in my career. And I said to a consultant friend, his name is Mike Holland, Mike, what can we do to make this happen faster? And he said to me, you need to do lean daily management in your healthcare system. And I said, great. What is that? Mm -hmm. And lean daily management is a structured set of behaviors for leaders. Wow. It is a daily practice. And what it does is it elevates improvement to the top of the daily agenda. And what Mike Holland taught me was my people all wanted to improve, but they were too busy putting out fires. What we needed to do was create a space where they would let go of other things because they had no other choice and they would generate improvement on a daily basis. The technique is called lean daily management. I'm very lucky that and, and just so blessed that my, my company has now been doing this every day, 365 days a year for four years and we won the inaugural patient safety award from the American Society for Healthcare Risk Management for the amount of change, of meaningful change that we have triggered using this technique. So, well, Bravo, that's, that's really incredible. What I'm hearing in, in what you've just shared is that there's the passion that's necessary, but it must be married to focus and discipline. Absolutely. You know, the, uh, the IHI, one of its learnings is that there are three things required for improvement. The will, and the passion generates some will. Storytelling generates the will. The ideas, and the ideas are out there. We have them in abundance. And the real problem is the execution. And what I learned from Mike Holland and from our practice of lean daily management is you cannot expect people to execute unless you create space and a requirement for execution. And once you do that, people get on board. We, we do lean daily management every day at 9 a.m. And it takes one hour. We round on 35 different departments. We have an executive board that we present. And uh, we do it according to a schedule. Every leader knows that we're coming. And our goal is to um, foster improvement, say thank you, and remove barriers. And um, creating this space and this requirement for improvement was a marvelous bit of leadership advice that, that I'm very grateful thank for. Th thank you for sharing that. I think it's very important that leaders at the top of an organization send the signal that improvement is absolutely critical. 
Absolutely. And that's, I think, when you're rounding, exactly what you're doing is creating the signal and being the messengers for that um, very important priority. I want to thank you very much for the time. It's been my pleasure, Mary Jane. Thank you. You're welcome.